0: hundred words or less with Ray Hargens. hello everybody thank you for downloading this podcast and uh, hanging out with me and my guest talking about independent music because it's important to me and I know it's important to you you care about this weirdo subculture that has uh, you know affected us really deeply like we take these things that we learn in these sweaty rooms across the country across the world and we apply them to our daily lives they our, our North Star, for lack of a better term, they really point us in a direction that uh is just it, it seeps into us it 's in our bones, and man, I love it, I love it, but uh, I love also hearing from you, the listener. you can email the show one hundred words podcast gmail dot com because the the reason I mentioned that is that. When people say that this podcast helps them feel connected to you know, a scene or finding out about new bands, like that's really, really cool for me. I love that. Um, let's talk about the guest. I'll, I'll get some other thoughts out of my way, out of my head, into your head, and then, uh, then we'll go and talk to Marshall, who plays in a band called Teenage Wrist. His name's Marshall Gallagher. I've should say his last name, because that's what you do professionally. <laughs> but uh, Teenage Rest is a really, really, really good band. They put out a record a couple of years ago on Epitaph called Chrome Neon Jesus. I, I, I liked it. I liked certain songs off of it a lot, and then other songs, I was kind of like, eh, it's okay. This new record of theirs called uh, Earth is a Black Hole is spectacular. It's really, really good. If you're fans of anything sort of like melodic hardcore, shoegazy, that's what they do. But, the, you know, clean vocals, you know, uh, but aggressive ish. Like, I actually, you'll hear me talk to Marshall about this. And uh, this, I trust me, this is not a dig. Uh, they they have elements of Hoobastank. And like I said, this is not a dig. I, I enjoy a lot of songs from Hoobastank, but they have like a really sort of slick produced vibe, but not overly produced. Trust me, if you like any of those things that I'm kind of throwing your direction, you need to listen to Teenagerist, really, really good band. So I had to have Marshall on, and then uh, he blew my mind, because he had all of these uh, other interesting connections to independent music, because I felt like Teenagerist kind of came out of nowhere for me. It was like, oh, all of a sudden this band is signed to Epitaph, and like, oh, wild, they put out a really good record. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's who I got on this week. and. What's important for me to do for you? Like, sometimes I feel like I need to recalibrate and remind myself why, frankly, I do this show. Because I've been doing it for gosh, eight years now, you know, close to eight years. And, uh, I, I want you to feel like you're going on a journey and I I know that sounds like really wishy-washy (laughs) or, but I want you to, you know, like, yes, of course, it's cool to hang out with people and be that sort of fly on the wall and, you know, hear a discussion of what it's like to be backstage or whatever. Like those things are fine. I I want you to feel like you understand the artist a little bit better. You understand where they're coming from. You understand their backgrounds and, uh, yes, of course, like their new records are cool and like all the Promotional stuff that, you know, bands do when they need to do it uh, is fine, but I, I want that to be, you know, maybe less than 5% of the conversation. I want you to understand these people on a deeper level and understand that even though we all have come from different places and, you know, maybe have different levels of exposure to independent music— a lot of people's journeys are very, very similar. So that is that. That is my manifesto. That's what I try to extract uh, out of these discussions and interviews. So I hope that uh, you find that informative, and maybe that's a thesis statement or whatever, like uh, that's what a good English teacher would tell you to do. So I'm just reminding myself that's why I do what I do. <laughs> but anyways, let's talk to Marshall. This is a really fun episode, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to uh, talk to him in the present, or just let, let's just dive in the interview, okay? And then, of course, at the end of the episode, I will always tease of who is coming up next week. So here's Marshall. Let's go. This is not a um, a, a indictment on either you or your band, but you're a weird band in the sense of like you, to me, uh, I mean, I live in Southern California, like, uh, you know, pay way too close attention to independent music in general. And you kind of came out of nowhere for me. And then all of a sudden it was like, hey, here's this band, Teenage Wrist, that, you know, is signed epitaph. And it was just like, whoa, like I remember them, like, didn't you play your first show at Vacation Vinyl? Am I crazy about that or no?
1: no that happened that was our first legit show and then okay. uh, and then the day after that that was actually we needed like a warm-up show because the day after that we played um it was a very i think it was the first it might have been the second iteration of uh the aaron style festival that thing <laughs> that john white put on yes
0: of course yeah and wow, and you, oh, so that was like your literal first—I mean, like vacation was your first show, but like your first "quote unquote" real show was that that fest.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was our uh, our introduction to the world, and it was it was pretty ridiculous, you know. Uh, right. that, that was <laughs> for sure a uh, like a, a management hookup because our management—I I, I don't even honestly know why they fuck with us because they they manage like Diplo and Dylan Francis and and fucking. I don't know. Like, yeah.
0: Successful people. I'm just kidding. Yeah,
1: <laughs> like, people that actually make them money and like, you know, people give a fuck about, <laughs> <Sure>. uh, <laughs> but it was like, Oh yeah. I mean, well we're booking Diplo on it. And I think, I don't know, Dylan Francis was like, maybe on it. I don't remember exactly, but they were like, you know, let's, let's chuck teenage in the opening slot. See what happens. <laughs>
0: Wow. Okay. So, I mean, that I didn't want to presume anything from that perspective, but it definitely felt like, I mean, clearly, like I was mentioning before we recording, like I, you know, really enjoy the you know, musical output of what you've done. And so I, I never try to, I guess, paint bands in a corner where it's just like, oh, whatever. Here's this, you know, band that like came out of nowhere, like they didn't pay their dues. Like, I'm definitely not into like one of those people, but it just seemed very, um, you know, for lack of a better term, like, uh, again, not in a bad way, but like instant where I was like, oh, wow, like, here these guys are. And like, you know, they've they've made a statement. Um, yeah, does well, that-
1: it was all downhill from there, so... <laughs>
0: Okay, but I mean, in me saying all of these, like, you know, sort of convoluted thoughts here, like, you know, do do people, I guess, kind of like, express that to you, where it's just like, oh, like, you know, I didn't see you guys playing like local shows at Chain Reaction or whatever. And then all of a sudden, you guys were kind of here. Um, does that feel, uh, I guess, accurate in any way, shape or form?
1: I mean, uh, sort of. I, I, I will say that this has has been the the quickest any of my musical projects uh you know that anything i've been involved in really at all uh kind of took flight you know and and it was just a series of just you know really serendipitous shit that you know kind of put us on the map um almost instantly <laughs> mm. but but like that being said we we definitely didn't come out of nowhere and we existed as an independent band that nobody knew about for a good 3 or 4 years before you know like we signed to Epitaph and you know we started hopping on all these tours and stuff the the, the first real tour we did was probably and it it was like a headlining thing just up and down the coast that pro- that I mean that took 4 years to to you know, materialize. So it's not, and and we're currently you know we've been a band since uh, basically 2014. Mm-hmm. So I mean it's it's been you know a steady slow build from a point. That's it's just that point was a little bit higher than just a band coming out of nowhere. And definitely, uh, you know, Cam was responsible for a lot of that because of the Chain Gang of 1974, which is you know it's it's his project already had quite a bit of notoriety so he was able to kind of use that platform to to
0: get more ears on us kind of you know right out of the gate right right and and like i said i i'm definitely not putting you in this like oh yeah dude you're just like you know one of those cheesy bands that you know all of a sudden like are putting out records and everyone cares about them or whatever <laughs> yeah,
1: well, it definitely wasn't a major label thing where somebody put a lot of fucking money into you know, putting us on billboards and shit Man, like, yeah, are, yeah 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 and, and we definitely haven't hit that point yet you know we're very much still a a quote and i hate this term but a, quote unquote uh baby band you know right <laughs> Like, yeah. we still don't make any fucking money.
0: <laughs> of course, yeah. No, no, no. I totally, and and I think it's, like, for people that, you know, pay attention, for lack of a better term, to the the scene, like, you know, I, there there's a band, uh, which I'm sure you're familiar with, like, you know, the Movements dudes, where it was, like, it's the same sort of feeling like I got watching you guys as Movements, where it's, like, you know, yes, they obviously played some shows, and they, you know, clearly have been, you know, putting in the work as far as their musical chops are concerned, but then it definitely felt like the coming out party of, Oh wow, movement signed to fearless. Like I don't. Wow, okay. And, and like I, I, felt like a similar trajectory from from you guys from that perspective. Not saying that you guys are are you know carbon copies of one another because you're not. But um, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think that um
1: that that kind of has to happen for especially a rock band right now because it just takes so much time and and discipline to like get a fucking rock band together. like get four to five people in the same room who like know their instruments and like can play really well tightly together. Like it it has to be a little bit of like a wave that you ride and you just kind of get lucky (laughs) along the way because you've, I mean, and, and obviously combined with the fact that you've put a lot of work in, but it it has to be like a, a really like true crossover point between, um, blind
0: luck and preparation, you know? Yep totally
1: so we definitely
0: but, we we hit it <laughs> we hit right. it that point right no it's true it's it's very like e- people can you know uh whatever judge a band's trajectory or art or whatever it, it, in regards to like that you know old man on the porch saying like oh they didn't do it like i did back in the day or whatever but at the end of the day the art has to stand up <laughs> against itself be like Absolutely. oh yeah this is like legitimate and so and i think that you you hit the nail on the head with that description yeah definitely
1: and you know old man on the porch uh probably feels like he did more but i don't know if that's true you know because there was so Mm -hmm. much leading up to the success of this project i mean and i use success still relatively
0: sure or in air quotes right yeah
1: yeah exactly because like yeah it's hit people's ears for sure and, and we, we, you know, we, we've had been lucky enough to, uh, you know, mean, mean something to like a, a lot of people. And, and like, you know, there's been a couple of people that have hit us up and like, your favorite band, it's, it blows my mind.
0: <laughs> right. Right. But you're like, you, you're like, you know, there's other, there's other music out there, right? You know yeah. that,
1: right? <laughs> <laughs> you should listen to like hum or something like, yeah, but, uh, Yeah, it's, we're still very much at the point where we could be made or broken, I think. (laughs) And I'm just being real with you, you know, I'm not trying to put on an air of like, oh, you know, we're, we're a successful band. And like, you know, it's, it's kind of like that phenomenon where, uh, you, you pay more for something because you feel like, oh, if they're charging a lot, then it's probably worth more. (laughs) Like, I don't, I don't want to give people that sense. So I'm, I'm just, you know telling it how it is. Yeah. Like, this band could still fail spectacularly.
0: <laughs> right yeah, so at, at any given moment, like just because we've released two LPs does not mean that this you're going to get another 3 or whatever. And, and it's
1: it's been it's been a personal success and it's been a relative success, but it has not been a traditional success, you know, like we yeah. don't support ourselves. This is this is a passion project for us, you know, and, and we've been insanely blessed to even have people looking at us and investing money into us god bless epitaph (laughs) like they just keep you know supporting us through all this you know especially through covid and all this kind of stuff but and that in itself is just like massive successes but uh no it's it's cool it's cool it really doesn't you know it seems like we've got a long way to go
0: Oh, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. You, you definitely are on the, you know, the upper trajectory, but you know, that mountain is, is, is quite large and I totally get right, that. Right. Um, so focusing on you as a person, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll pick the band, uh, you know, apart a little bit later, but, um, were were you born and raised in Colorado? Like, I mean, just some, you know, simple internet sleuthing. I, I was not right. able to, you know, sort of track the trajectory of you, but is that correct? Well, like, did you have come up a Wikipedia
1: there? Wikipedia page yet. I don't think so. Yeah. But still, you know, yeah, if, guy that updates wikipedia regularly you should you know give me a look (laughs) there's there's some stuff (laughs) that you can pull from i think i'm not going to be the one but yes i did grow up uh in colorado i moved to los angeles when i was
0: 25 i want to say i don't know something like that got it and where, uh, where in particular in Colorado, did you go like Denver, Boulder? What are we talking about? Uh, Littleton,
1: which is a, uh, suburb of Denver. It's about 20, 30 minutes south.
0: Yes. Yeah. I, I have, uh, I toured in bands for years and played, uh, played Aurora, Colorado, not no you know, in Denver. You as well. Aurora? Dude, it was like a random hall or something like that. It definitely oh, was nice. not a venue. Yeah. yeah. It was, there was a, there was a, uh, a hardcore band from that area called Shogun. It's like, yeah, you know, really, yeah, yeah. Dude, great, unbelievable band, but yeah, I, I just, I, I, mean, I mean, anybody that, like
1: that's well, deep. <laughs> like, it is it so no is a fucking that's <laughs> yeah, deep stuff, man. That's and that's that's forever ago as well.
0: No, it totally is. And I, the only reason I mentioned that is because, you know, people like you and I who have obviously spent time on the road, it's always funny when, you know, especially on the, you know, DIY touring circuit where it's like, yeah, you don't actually play Denver. You play a suburb. (laughs) So it's, yeah. yeah. Sometimes that's all you can get. You get like the, the
1: Christian like outreach, uh, (laughs) all, you know, and honestly those were some of like the craziest best shows around town where like, I don't know, there was this spot, um, a terrible spot called life spot. And it it was, um, yeah, it was just like an, an extension of a church basically. But like so many like great local bands ended up playing that spot and, you know, they packed the place out and national acts started coming there. And, um, yeah, there was one other spot called grandpa's music box in Aurora, which may have been the spot that he played, uh, that yeah hosted a lot of like really crazy bands coming up and yeah yeah it, it took a minute i think for for denver to really start pulling in some of the the cool like diy hardcore you know kind of bands into like their smaller venues
0: but maybe not maybe i mean that's uh-huh. you know, just like, um no well and, and your going. your point sure no, your point your point stands where it's the you know quote unquote unconventional venues where it's like yeah, literally just a room rented out by somebody because they were you know their dad owns a warehouse space or something. But like that. <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: But yeah, when you start to build that community around a space, and like you said, you start to have the local bands are like, hey, I'm friends with the touring band, like we can pull them in. That does you know that's really special. And like you said, mm-hmm. it starts to like have really good shows there where you're like, dude, 150 people showed up here, like this is insane yeah yeah well that's cool and so what was your what was your family structure like like mom and dad in the house brothers and sisters oh yeah
1: yeah just uh just a little suburban family pretty pretty down the middle
0: (laughs) okay Uh, where what do you like brothers and sisters like where do you sit how many uh, kids
1: i have a little brother his name's derek he's he's 20
0: how old am i (laughs) he's 20 i don't know. Okay. I, I, I like how I answered that. I don't know how I'll do our Marshall. I'm sorry. Did right,
1: right, right. you please tell me I, this past year has been like, you know, I don't, I don't know how long it's actually been.
0: Yeah. Like five years. Right. Yeah. Um, so you, you were the, the, the first on the scene, the trailblazer. Did you uh, feel like your, um, you know, your, your siblings experience was definitely the, you know, the baby of the family and you were the one that was getting in trouble the most because you know, you were the first, uh, out, so to speak. Oh, hell yeah.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. I, I mean, I remember getting like just chewed out, and and like really serious stuff, really serious discussions happening, and like you know when, when uh, my mom discovered, she didn't even discover it. She was like she she was like, I know you have weed, like in your room, and you need to throw it out like right now, and I don't know how she knew. It didn't smell, you know, at least I uh-huh. at yeah, said of course it did. Well, who am I kidding? <laughs> like, like, come on. But then, you know, this, this was like a, an, an ongoing thing. And, uh, years later, same situation happened with my brother and they were basically just like, don't smoke it in the house. <laughs> the weed stayed in his room. He was allowed to keep it smelled up the entire fucking house. <laughs> like, you know, just little things like that.
0: Right. You're like, uh, guys, a double standard here, please.
1: Yeah. They just didn't care anymore. They were like, listen, we got one child in the house. We're sick of dealing with this. Like, you know, he's not going to ruin his life with a little weed. I was like, yeah, but,
0: but <laughs> right. But <laughs> I, I got in a lot of much. trouble. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and so what kind of, uh, you know, what did your parents do for a living? You know, were they, um, you know, teachers, like what, what did they do?
1: Uh, nothing like that. My my dad owned a business. He owned a, a moving company. He okay. worked for a company for a while, and then and then uh, kind of created his own from the ground up, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's currently retired.
0: Nice. And
1: yeah, as as of like a couple of years ago. My mom's still grinding, but she's she's trying to retire this year. She works as a project manager. She's worked for a, a bunch of different companies uh cores and and um Charles Schwab and some other you know some other big ones. Oh, okay, and got it, yeah, got it. It's pretty it's the whole thing my brother works in healthcare. He's he's a supply chain manager for Den- Denver Health and uh yeah, so pretty pretty um successful american family if you want to put it that way. Yeah. You know, we live in <laughs> the most boring suburb that I could have ever you know construed in my mind is like if you imagine white suburbia that's you know and like it's it's exactly what you're picturing
0: sure yeah it's a very homogenous you know yeah I, I i i see exactly what you're talking about so i'm gonna i'm gonna guess like you as your trajectory as you're growing a little bit older and you know feeling out you your identity and who you were um you know did you start to develop your interest towards music like you know junior high and high school or where did that come into play
1: yeah pretty early on um I started playing guitar when I was in middle school and I had a friend who was like kind of you know developing the same interest around the same time and we started playing music together by freshman year I was in a band with him and uh you know I was commuting to lakewood to like commuting as in he would literally come pick me up and drive like an hour and a half round trip to come pick me up to play music (laughs) which was really cool i I had kind of a a mentor supporter in that way and and um yeah it just kind of started fanning out from there and i've i haven't not been in a band since then so that's
0: pretty yeah that's a lot that's a lot of time (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. what, what, uh, excuse me, I, I presume that, uh, like, did you live in a musical house? Like, you know, were your parents constantly listening to music or was this all kind of your own device?
1: Yeah. My mom, um, played piano occasionally. She's, she's very musically inclined. And my dad was, was playing music, you know, my whole life. He's a really good, uh, guitar player and an incredible singer songwriter. And, and that was his path for a while. You know, he, uh, he had a couple of brushes with major label success. And then around the time I popped out, <laughs> he kind of started getting, you know, uh, getting real and say, you know, was I, I, I hate to say that I may have ruined that situation <laughs> just by existing.
0: Well, you, you, uh, you forced him into uh, you know a new way of living. So that's not a bad thing.
1: <laughs> and, hey, you know, it happens and I'm, I'm grateful for it. I exist because of that. So, yeah eternally grateful no lie
0: yeah no that's uh you know
1: he still played so much music growing up and you know he was in bands too and um so i i got to just like absorb that
0: you know from from day one that's cool so did he actually tour and everything like that or was he more of a sort of session musician um i'm not sure the extent
1: that they toured but i yeah i mean i imagine so um Mm -hmm. not not while i was around
0: sure um, right. Yeah, this obviously predated you because, you know, you were the uh, the anchor yeah. that uh, brought him home. <laughs> yeah. Are you obsessed with band merch? You should be. I am. And I know that I love rockabilia.com. Why are they so great? They are great because they have so many items. But before I go into that, use this code 100Words. That gets you 10% off of your order, your entire order, so you can spend... Thousands of dollars and get a massive discount with that code. (laughs) But what makes them cool is they have all officially licensed band merch. That's incredibly important in these days because, let's be honest, there are a lot of bootlegs around there. And usually 99.9% of the time, they are of awful quality. And most importantly, the bands don't see a cent from that. That is not how rockabilia rolls. And they have so much stuff. You can buy things like I'm just on their homepage right now. And you can be like, you know what? I like Janice Joplin and I like In Flames. What about Bring Me the Horizon? How about Black Sabbath? All of that stuff they have. And it's just fun to get lost in their website. Amazing customer service, ships from the Midwest, gets to you lickety split. So please go to rockabilia.com, find your loves of your band merch and your bands. I just, I yeah, go there right now. And use the code 100Words. That gets you 10% off. Enjoy. Because of your musical inclination and everything, uh, did you, uh, you know, did you start to kind of discover more independent minded stuff through, you know, friends? Like you mentioned the friend that you were kind of on the same musical trajectory. Were you guys just kind of bouncing stuff off each other? What was the intro?
1: Yeah. I mean, he was kind of the first, uh, one of the first friends that I had that was like really, really super into music. I mean, he just like, you know, downloaded guitar tabs all day and, and watched MTV and just like, you know, lived and breathed music. And so he was always showing me cool new stuff. And um, and he was a little bit older than I was by like uh, probably like a year and a half or so. And um, yeah, he was just a, a deep digger. His name was Clay Fricky, And uh, he, he brought me to my first house show, you know, just really kind of ushered me into like these cool little, uh, DIY scenes that were popping up around Denver and, uh, yeah. And that was where my love for, you know, metal and punk rock started to kind of happen.
0: And what, uh, what, I I guess what kind of took you in to that? Like, you know, I mean, obviously going to a house show, the sort of, you know, visceral nature of a band playing right in front of you, like, you know, you can
1: Yeah, it was that for sure. It was exciting. It was way more exciting to have a band like actually interacting with you and like, you know, sweating on you and bumping into you and stuff. And it was just accessible, you know, like I don't, I don't even know if I paid for any of those shows. (laughs) Like (laughs) I I probably like, you know, five bucks at the most to get through the door and yeah, it was just, it was there and it was exciting and, and, you know, it, like I didn't really have a, a car or a cell phone for most of that experience. So I was pretty much at, at the, you know, the mercy of my friends just kind of, you know, let me tag along kind of thing. Just, you know, dragging me around everywhere. Sure. So yeah, that
0: was just, that was how it happened. That's awesome and what were so what were some of the I guess like you know early bands from that perspective that you really started to glom onto and be really I uh, you know I guess obsessed with
1: um my very first house show was this band called Humble Ari. and they were they were basically fugazi <laughs> but okay a maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> okay. like little like a little more rough around the edges like like um emo leaning and when i say emo i mean like you know in more of a rites of spring uh, sure kind of way and not so much a fallout boy kind of way <laughs> um i mean that that band just blew me up you know it, it opened my eyes to like okay like this this is what music can sound like you can you can scream and yell and it can be thrashy and um and angular and just like this, this rush of like, you know, just fury, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and from there, I mean, locally there, there was not like a crazy amount of stuff happening there. There, uh, as I got into college, well, actually no. Okay. Before college, um, everybody has to know about this band. They're the best band to ever come out of Denver. Um and one of my top five favorite bands to this day, Fear Before the March of Flames.
0: Oh yes, very familiar.
1: Yeah, so I was obsessed with them. Uh, you know, probably late high school, and I got to see them in some pretty tiny ass rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know that that kind of shaped my musical experience as well. Seeing bands like that.
0: Well, it's so it's so cool too. I mean, I'm glad you brought them up because I I do think it is so cool when you you know when you see bands. Grow. And when you see them, like, you know, in front of like 30 people in a house show or whatever, and then all of a sudden they're like signed and touring, and, you know, you feel like you're along in the journey. And it's just so fun to watch that. And then you feel like your world gets opened up because this band is now like, oh wow, they're a national touring act. Like, I didn't even know that was possible or whatever. Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, that, that happened with, I mean, there, there was probably like one band a year or so right, from, right. From, from my, uh, compass that broke out of Denver. So, you know, fear before was like the first one I kind of got to watch happen. And then there was this band called the photo Atlas. Um, Oh yeah. Formerly right. Atlas that, uh, I mean, just uh, another band that sounded a lot like Fugazi, actually, except just dancier and whinier. <laughs>
0: sure, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really sure,
1: infectious, and they like you know they were local, and then all of a sudden you know they're on tour with the Bravery, and uh, yeah, and it w- it was them, and then who else? There was this band called the Auto that I really liked too. That was very sort of. Post-hardcore, kind of in the, um, like not quite as metalcore as Converge, but mm. kind of in that vein, you know. And and got they it, got is, it. sadly, I don't think ever really broke. You know, like sure. In my mind, they were just massive and successful and beautiful, but like. Yeah. I, I I don't know how yeah. much. Uh, like they they were the the cool band that used to open for like uh for other cool bands like when they would come through town, you know, like These Arms Are Snakes would come through and like the Auto Canonaton would open up.
0: But, ah, got uh, it. I, yeah. I don't know how much like like crazy touring they did. I mean, maybe maybe a lot. I don't know. No, I I mean I I, I've never heard of the band. I mean, that doesn't mean that like I'm the authority, <laughs> I've just yeah. never, you know, I, I never saw that name uh, pop up in in touring right. and stuff like yeah. that. They, they
1: didn't reach like a Fear Before level, you know.
0: Right, right. And so, what kind of you, you know, as you were going to these shows and you know, kind of uh, striking out on your own, what kind of kid did you find yourself uh, being? You know, were I mean, obviously you were interested in music, so you were pretty enveloped in that world. But like, you know, did you care about school? Did you care about sports? Or were those things like you know just not there? <laughs> I mean, I, that's tough to say. Cause like,
1: I feel like I've never actually really given a fuck about school, but I was pretty good at it. <laughs> so like, uh, I was interested in, you know, in English and science and, you know, I could do math if I really wanted to, but I never felt connected to it. Uh, mm-hmm. my school experience really opened up when I got the balls to um like try out for music classes. Like joining choir just really opened up my world and then I joined jazz band and um so that, that was when I really actually started to like, you know, feel like uh A I could maybe, you know, pursue this as a career path. And, uh, also I think that I might be decent enough at it.
0: <laughs> interesting. And, and so like you, you
1: enjoy you, it even in a school context,
0: you know? Right, right. Yeah. Like this, this is okay to sit in a classroom and do this because this is something right. I actually yeah. care about. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that That's interesting. So that you're maybe because, you know, you saw that your, um, you know, your dad had some level of uh, success within the, the, the idea of pursuing music as a living, Um, because, you know, usually like if you have been exposed to that whole, you know, subculture stuff, you're not immediately thinking like, Oh, music career. You're just thinking like, Oh, music release a seven inch or whatever, you know? So like, but that, that that, it's cool that you had that, uh, idea to be like, well, this is something I can pursue whether or not it's like making real money. It doesn't matter, but like, I need to pursue this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it was never really a choice for uh, as far as like being in bands went, the, what I tried to do in in college, and you know, for better or worse, was I was like, you know, I'm probably not going to be a session player, so I'm going to go the music business route and see what happens. Mm-hmm. So I did the music business program for like a couple of years at CU Denver. Okay. And uh, pro- probably probably two and a half so years in, I realized that I fucking hate the music business. And I would much rather just play for the rest of the time. So I auditioned for the performance program, failed once, went back the next year, got in, and and ended up actually like kind of killing it in in that uh, uh-huh. area. But then I ended up with a you know degree in music, which like I don't know, I, I probably used some of it, and you know subconsciously, I'm sure it did a lot for me. Um, right. but, but that, yeah, I mean, even still, it's not like I was, uh, like I was still just trying to be in a band and like, yeah, my goal was to like, you know, get signed and tour and all this stuff. But like, I don't know. I, I, th- I think maybe I was just really short sighted the entire time. And maybe I still am <laughs> <laughs> like, cause I still just want to be in a band and like go tour and stuff and, and, and make records and, and like now, I'm finally zooming out and realizing that I can also like produce records and mix records and stuff like that. So, uh, my um, my youthful uh, naivety, I guess, and and short sightedness is is actually like sort of
0: evolving. <laughs> sure. But, well, you can, uh, I had it, to hit
1: thirty for that to happen,
0: right? Well, to I mean, to that point, I think it's one of those things where you know people have this common conception of, of there's one path, you know, like mm-hmm. in order for me to be quote unquote successful in music, uh, you know, I have to play in a band. It's like there's a lot of other paths there, you know. To your point, like being able to help other bands, you know, record their stuff and be able to do that is you know, just as satisfying except, uh, you know, in a different way. And now you've just, you know, been able to reach a point where you have more of a perspective on it rather than the, you know, 17 year old in yourself where it's like, if I don't have a record deal by 19, I'm going to failure or whatever,
1: you know? Oh yeah. Dude, that exact thought crossed my mind so many times. (laughs) Okay. And you know what the other like just ridiculous thought was that i thought when i was 17 to age 19 i was like mm-hmm. the second we start touring and the second we get signed that's it i've made it
0: <laughs> dude i love i love that because like for years i worked at a record label century media records and i was like you know responsible for signing bands and stuff and that was like the literal pep talk that i gave bands that i was talking yeah. to is like hey the like we're, you know, we'll be in business together. I'm signing you and this is great. But like, this is where the hard work begins. (laughs) Like this isn't easy street from here on out. And like, you know, sometimes you just don't know that until you experience it. Like you're talking about.
1: Yeah, no, you don't know until it happens to you. Um, and also worth noting that at that time, you know, when I was 17 years old, there was still like, you know, CDs were still selling and streaming was, was not even a glimmer in anyone's eye really. Right. And so like there was still a lot of money to be made by just, just selling records and that's it. Yeah. Like I don't even, you probably didn't even have to, like you probably made less money touring than you did selling records. And now that's completely flipped. That's completely flipped on its ass. And, like, you know, no one's giving out million dollar record deals to fresh new bands anymore.
0: And that was a perspective
1: that I grew up with. Sure. You know, so I finally got here at age, you know, I I think I was freshly 30 when Teenage Risk got signed. I was like, oh,
0: wait a second. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, oh, oh, this is a. This is this, so this is the thing, like, not the other thing this I was thinking. Isn't what
1: of. I signed up for like when I was 17. Like this is fucking incredible. I love it, but Right. You know, like maybe if we had done this 10 years ago, we would have ended up with a million dollars, you know? But that's like, <laughs> yeah. no, we didn't even get to pay ourselves.
0: <laughs> totally. Yeah, yeah. This is all going right back into the band.
1: Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um and so uh, you're cuz i mean it, correct me if i'm wrong like the um you know probably your most quote unquote serious like first band experience was uh like Swing Hero right that was like the band that you played in uh, around the Denver area correct
1: Yeah uh yeah Swing Hero i mean it, that was a total like passion project as well i didn't really have any like uh i i didn't honestly have get a lot done with swing hero. Like okay. I, I had some cool experiences. Like, you know, I got to play like South by Southwest and, um, press my own record and all this kind of stuff, which I, you know, dumped a whole shitload of money into. And I still have 200 something copies sitting in my closet. <laughs> as,
0: as one does. Yeah. <laughs> as,
1: as you like, you do. Um, but yeah, swing hero wasn't really the, uh, the thing for me. Okay. It, like it, it was the thing that I wanted to be a thing. And it eventually just kind of, bled into teenagerist like the style and everything um got it but i had more experience i think touring and playing shows and like you know kind of cutting my teeth in um in this band called solar bear from denver
0: that's a really good name dude
1: (laughs) and i was not responsible for that name I, 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 I just,
0: I just, I don't know. Maybe it's just the, the dad humor in me, but just like, that's really, like just rolls off the tongue really well. And it's funny. Okay.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was pretty self-aware. It was like, it was a pretty ridiculous band, but it was cool. You know, it, it was a post hardcore thing. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we did a fair amount of touring, nothing ever, you know, really popped off with it, but you know, we became the band that like, you know, Maybe we would get booked on a cool, like, national
0: show if it came through Denver. Sure, yeah, you'd play the Marquee Theater if you are exactly, yeah, right. <laughs> what? Uh, so, as you started to kind of like get that get out there and you know experience more of the you know music world as it were, not only from the business side of things, but like the touring perspective. Um, like you said, the music business you were very much turned off to by that point. Uh, what? What? Did, what was touring like? You know, was it as exciting as you had hoped it to be? At that time, hell yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: I mean, there was a lot of disappointment. You know, there was a lot of showing up to venues and, like, not even bothering to play because no one was there.
0: <laughs> sure. It was it was a like, glorified rehearsal. Yeah.
1: And, and by no one, I mean literally not even a person to, like, let us into the building. <laughs>
0: right. Like, oh, like, the, the, show's, the show's canceled. The show. No one told me. Oops. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: So, uh, you know, there were a lot of humbling moments but at the same time that was you know that was the most free i think i've ever been in a touring situation we're rolling around in a van and um you know just kind of flying by the seat of our pants or whatever and um and it it made future touring look a lot more exciting and it was just i don't know it was kind of like vacation at that point that you know Mm -hmm. it it, it was slightly like shittier as far as like where you're staying and stuff, you know, a lot of crashing on really sketchy floors and as you do in a touring band. Um, but yeah, I was never turned off by it.
0: Right. Right. It, it was all kind of exciting at that point.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was yeah. really exciting. But then like my, my whole world just kind of flipped around. Cause I went from that like, like touring in a van and like, and like nearly, dying like several times like you know Mm -hmm. trying to get through fucking idaho in a blizzard um (laughs) to a show where like you know it was like 30 people in in a like the back room of a restaurant (laughs) kind of thing to um i got a gig playing for um this band called 303 from
0: oh my i had no idea oh yeah, wow
1: yeah, dude that's that kind of started some shit for me so that <laughs> happened like before i moved to out to la and I so you were just
0: you were just basically like a like a touring guitarist with them
1: yeah yeah i played guitar a little bit of keys and at that point they were just coming off the heels of mm-hmm. streets of gold which was pretty successful um wow so, dude
0: yeah that's that's a whole different experience man so I went from,
1: <laughs> yeah from like you know 30 people in the back of a restaurant to uh, I don't know,
0: spring break in Miami.
1: So <laughs> several thousand people in an arena, like opening for Melly. <laughs> like, like weird B market shit or C market shit. But like, you know, Wow. That so, yeah,
0: no, that, that's great. I, I did not know that you had that um, uh, experience from that perspective. Because, it, it, I mean, it's interesting, too, being able to attach yourself to, you know, this, this crazy rocket ship. But then, like, obviously, it not being your band, but you're just like, well, like, this is an opportunity I can't say no to. Like, this is exciting.
1: Yeah. And it was also the first time I had, um, like, been able to make, like, actual money to live on. You know, at like just playing guitar,
0: sure, basically,
1: <laughs> and, and touring. It's you know, I which was like one of the big successes in my my life, and and from there, I was like, most of the things I know about production and songwriting, I learned from those guys. You know, they were just like so cool about like kind of taking me under their wing and like, you know, showing me how things get done. It, at that level, you know. And like, you know, even even just the touring part of it, like I started out kind of like not knowing what the fuck to do, uh, you know, only filling the guitar player role, but by, you know, a couple years in, it was like, you know, loading in and and, you know, kind of pretty much, you know, following the MD side of things and like, you know, getting to know all the ins and outs of like the the stage setup and and um
0: uh you, know. well, you you not only learned about like the touring business but then you got to see like what a successful band looks like as far as the structure yeah. and how things roll yeah. yeah
1: and just the level of like performance and commitment that it actually takes to like do that
0: yeah no that's real i mean that it's a great experience because then you know you can apply that all of that knowledge towards like your own musical project, like, you know, essentially that, I mean, that sounds like it was, you know, just as valuable as, you know, your college degree.
1: Oh yeah. It was way more valuable than that.
0: Like college
1: <laughs> degree got me in the door cause they were like, Oh, you went to college for music. You're going to be fine. They, they, <laughs> right. like, they barely even auditioned me. It was like on recommendation from a friend who was like, yeah, this guy's sick. Like he'll, you know, he's going to work. And, and they were kind of in a pinch. Luckily they, they had a tour probably in like two weeks, I think. And one of their other guys had just quit the band. So they were like desperately looking for someone to fill the shoes. (laughs) Like, so I was able to just kind of slide in there and the college degree thing, you know, it helped, but I don't think it would, it would have made or break. Like, I think it was the, the beer that I got with them. And I was like, okay, you know, this guy doesn't seem like a creep. Like, you know, we can probably bring him on the road and, you know, at the very least we can just have him on stage. To look cool and turn him down at front of house. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. We,
0: we know this is not going to be an abysmal failure. Uh, right. Yeah,
1: And it was like, if you can survive this two week tour with us, you know, we're going to Brazil afterwards and then we're going to you know Europe and all this stuff. And I was like, all right, this is it. You know, like I'm all in for this. Like, I can't, sure.
0: I cannot pass this up. So I, I'm guessing that's what brought you to Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I pretty much followed those guys out here.
0: Got it. Got it. Yeah. Cause I, I was trying to make the connection. I mean, you know, one can obviously draw a straight line being like, Oh yeah, of course you want to play in bands and be in the music industry. Like you either go to New York or, or LA, but um, it makes sense why you would, you know, come out here from that perspective. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like Sean was already out here and that and was like kind of rumbling for a second. Like he, he was still based in Colorado, but eventually ended up coming out here. Um, and yeah, here was just like, I had been thinking about it for a while, just from like a, a dreamer, you know, kind of standpoint, like, Oh, LA, <laughs> you know, right, right. that's where all the infrastructure is. Like that's, that's where I'm going to make it.
0: <laughs> sure.
1: Um, or like that's, that at least like, that's where the session gigs are, you know, because that's what everybody would talk about in school. But at the, in the same breath, they'd be like, don't go to LA. You'll be a small fish in a big pond. And I'm like, yeah, but it's a big pond.
0: <laughs> right. But it's a, it's a pond, not a puddle. <laughs>
1: right. It's not a fucking island, you know, it's, it's an actual sure. body of water. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Denver's tough, man. Denver's tough to, uh, to transcend. Um, it's, it's very self-sufficient and, yeah. um, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I love Denver. I, I love their scene and, and there were so many cool things happening for so long. But I just lost touch with it. I think I, I lost I lost steam for it, and I just kind of wanted to try something new. And like L.A. was just you know it's where all the people I knew were going, mm-hmm. sure had, had gone.
0: So this, uh, the the yeah, the yeah. siren song of Los Angeles calls. I totally get that. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm going to guess like when you started to transition out of, of 303 and then, you know, obviously start to focus on, you know, what teenage risk was to become, um, was that, uh, I guess kind of uh, whether it was a decision or not, or whether it was just like, you know, the 303 stuff ran its logical course, like, was that difficult kind of, you know, sort of transitioning out of that and doing your own thing or, you know, how did that kind of uh, ping pong around your head? I mean,
1: I I should actually say, like, I don't not play with 303 anymore.
0: Like, we're... Oh, okay, got it. We're
1: still, you know, like, if they need somebody to play live for them, like, they'll still call me.
0: Okay, got it, okay.
1: Yeah, it it wasn't a transition out. There was one summer where I was touring with wrist and couldn't tour three and you know they I couldn't do the entirety of warp tour with them which I was actually a little bit relieved (laughs) for sure (laughs) because you know fuck doing all of warp tour
0: (laughs) right because it's warp tour right
1: (laughs) yeah and it was the last one though so it was kind of like bittersweet Mm -hmm. like you know maybe I should have been there but uh but we were touring with wrist so you know that was you know I guess it was a conversation but you know they they were uh you know they they do whatever they need to do, so they you know they got a different friend to to go out there and and fill my shoes and and rather successfully that dude Rob plays saxophone. I can't touch that
0: <laughs> right.
1: You know, so, uh, right yeah so right okay wasn't really uh a, a transition out
0: okay, got it, got it, that makes sense. And so I I guess, you know, because you had this experience, you know, being able to play with, uh, you know, friends, but you weren't actually, you know, creating the music versus you putting yourself out there with Teenage doing, you know, I mean, obviously collaborating with your bandmates, but was there, uh, you know, I guess a a fear or trepidation, like stepping out there as this, uh, you know, this band or was it just kind of like, well, this is what I've always wanted to do. So I'm not scared to do it. Yeah. The second thing. Perfect. <laughs> I, uh, uh, yeah,
1: there was no fear, really. I was just like, fucking finally, I get to do this. <laughs> right, right. You know, I've been trying to do this since I was 17 years old. I'm here, I'm 33, and I'm still working it out, you
0: know. Yeah, no, That. well, That. that's exciting because, like you said, you, you finally felt like you were able to step into this, A- and especially, too, to be able to collect all the experiences that you had so you're not stepping into this, like, you know, a 17 year old that, you know, barely knows what's the saying, like, you know, his right. ass from his elbow or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At that
1: time, I don't think I would have been ready. You know, I think I would have been a shitty kid, like just kind of diving into something with a product that wasn't necessarily good.
0: <laughs> it's a good point. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm.
1: not prepared emotionally or physically or, you know, or, you know, like mentally for any of it. I think mm-hmm. that the, uh, the the course of how it's gone is exactly how it should have always gone, and, and you know the only way that it could have happened. I think if I had hit this level of uh, you know being able to put myself out there at age twenty five, I would have fucked it up.
0: <laughs> right, well it, it, it's it's funny like having a more broader context for you know where you're coming from and like you said, you know, the age markers and everything. it does like teenage risk has always um, captivated me for, because it, it felt, even though you know the uh, the first LP was your debut um, as far as a record is concerned, it felt lived in like it didn't feel like you were really trying to, I mean, yes, of course bands evolve and they're figuring things out as they go along, but it definitely felt confident from that perspective. Um, So maybe that was because obviously you guys were coming at it from the, from the standpoint of where you were at.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we knew what we wanted to do and um, I mean, our, our producer also really tied that together really well for us. I mean, Carlos just took everything, you know, all of our ideas and packaged them exactly the way that, you know, we wanted them to be and it just, you know, really made that whole thing happen uh really, really smoothly. So yeah, it it, it was not and me, you know, maybe that's another reason why it feels like we came out of nowhere. It was mm-hmm. because, you know the the record was like yeah it was fresh and it was new territory for us but at the same time not really like we've been doing this thing for a while and and other you know even in teenage risk like you know we put out a whole EP pretty much ourselves mm-hmm. uh, prior to that and before that we had just been in so many bands it was like you know there, there yeah there
0: there was there was no fear <laughs> sure yeah there's a. Lo- like <clears throat> it felt lived in. And I think that that is where, um you know, it can, whatever I'm 40 years old and like ostensibly I shouldn't be listening to new music anymore because, you know, I think you stopped listening to music at age 32, according to Spotify. But like just that, 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 that comfort level of listening to, you know, a record like that. And obviously the new one as well, but being like, Oh yeah. Like, you know, I, I trust the process. Like I see where they're going with this, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. It's funny how that happens. That actually yeah. helps with people, you know. Sure, uh, it's also, sure. It's very funny to see our analytics come back. It <laughs> it's it's like I, I looked at them the other day. It's it's uh, we we appeal to like largely like dudes between the ages of eighteen and thirty four, and I'm like, oh, perfect. I'm a dude between the <laughs> ages of eighteen <laughs> and thirty four, so I can rest assured that what I'm doing is authentic. <laughs> At the very
0: least. Right. I my the demographic is me, so that's good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, exactly. right. Right. And then I mean, especially with the uh, the new LP. I mean, I know that like basically every interview you've done around the new record, everyone's like, Oh my gosh, like you're singing now. Like that's crazy. How do you feel, Marshall? Um, I'm not asking you that question, but what Sorry. like <laughs> I, I mean because you've obviously done that in you know other bands and you know su- supported with you know 303 and stuff like that, you, like you said sort of stepping forward with, with no fear. but uh, you know, I'm gonna guess. I mean singing in the studio uh, is terrible. It's not fun. Um, did you find that experience uh, like did you enjoy it or has it always been kind of a drag?
1: Dude, it's exactly the opposite for me. Like, That's cool. Singing live terrifies me. And like, I like I've, you know, I've been in situations even recently where we've recorded live raw tracks of me singing or, and, and it's just been, or, or, or whenever you watch, you know, God forbid, uh, the iPhone video of you playing live back, which, which really effectively sucks all the vibe out of the room and all the like good sounding stuff and isolates your shitty vocal (laughs) totally um yeah no i hate that i hate hearing myself back live and i've gotten to a place in the studio where i actually have
0: fun doing it that that that's cool because it definitely um And I I mean, I know different people have different experiences, but, um, you know, I know that the common conception is that because it's such a sterile environment and obviously doesn't feel like there's any energy, you have to create that all on your own, you know, can make the performative nature of getting yourself psyched up to, you know, sing into a microphone in the studio is, is tough. But that, I mean, that's great that you that you feel like you've got that, uh, that ability to be able to, you know, comfort to comfortably go into, you know, a uh, a booth and be able to yeah. you know, Plus, knock it out, I mean, yeah, and and that's
1: also um, the result of having a really great producer as well, sure, uh, especially Colin. Like anyone who can create just a really comfortable environment and also have the ability to like pretty much immediately play your shit back and it already sounds good because they've just got all the right effects and all the right compression and stuff on it already. Like, you know, that that's huge. That's, that's a big confidence booster.
0: Right. So we, <laughs> you're not just listening. Like you said, the, uh, the raw tracks or, right. uh, you know, it's like, yeah. Oh Jesus. Like <laughs> this is, yeah. Yeah. This right, is bad.
1: Right. I mean, there's a reason I, you know, we chose shoegaze dude. It's because none of us can fucking sing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's yeah no I, well, partly do,
1: true, but like you know that yeah the, we do love our effects
0: it, it i mean it is helpful uh to be able to you know experiment with that under the guise of the uh you know the the musical genre you play and so I mean, respect <laughs> i see where you're coming from i i, I kid but i know i know some truth to it well, it, it's kind of funny too. I was actually, um, I was talking to a friend last night about uh, you guys. And I was just like, we were listening to uh, Smashing Pumpkins as we were waiting for our takeout dinner. And I was like, oh yeah, like, you know, you should listen to Teenage Risk because they have that vibe. And then uh, <laughs> this, uh, I promise this is not a dig. I was like, yeah, they also have, um, you know, this really interesting, especially in the choruses on the new record. Um, again, I, I promise this is an is not an insult. Uh, you know bands like 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 Hoobastank or Trust Company, <laughs> where it's like it's like these really insanely catchy choruses that are you know still like aggressive ish, but um, you know aren't uh, like what you maybe typically would see within the context of like a shoegaze band or whatever. That's correct. Um, Does that like resonate at all with you or am I just like completely butchering your intentions?
1: Of course. I mean, I am personally not a fan of either of those bands. Well, you're wrong, Marshall. I'm sorry. What? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Listen, you know, uh, millions of people can't be that wrong, right? Like there's a reason people fucking love Nickelback and it's because they're like on paper, a really good, like great band. (laughs) Like they're right, right. they they just are like the cheesiest, sl- shittiest, slimiest you know like butt rock that there is <laughs> currently. Sure, um, but they're good, you know. Like they sound incredible uh, live, or so I've heard. I haven't actually seen Nickelback live, but like neither neither have I. Yeah. And I, to in be clear, sound fucking crazy and like <laughs> right, right, You right. know, so they're I like I respect it, and I'm also at at a point in my life where I. Do not care about being cool. Like, there. you know, there's some stuff that I can't bring myself to do because it it just, like, you know, it kind of makes me shiver a little bit. Mm -hmm. But if somebody thinks that I sound like the Hoobastank and it's because they like it, like, I don't care. (laughs)
0: <laughs> right, respect that, right
1: that's great you know and and that's also another thing that i've realized about like people comparing us to other bands it's just because they like it and i'm like i'll take that compliment i don't care who it is
0: sure because like you said the the the, the underpinning of all that is the fact that they are trying to compare you to bands that they actually like so yeah. i totally get that
1: yeah. yeah yeah as long as they're not like man you know the lead singer sounds like fucking chad kroger and i hate it
0: <laughs> You're like, damn, missed, yeah. missed that one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really thought <laughs> I was going for. Uh, uh, last thing I wanted to hit you on was the uh, the notion of you know when you started to get out there with with teenage wrist as far as touring and stuff like that, and having all of these kind of back you know, backfilled collective experiences of touring on all of these, you know, different levels. Um, was it wild to be able to step out? You know, I mean, whatever, touring with thrice and Bronx and stuff like that. Like those are clearly big shows and like no one has any idea who you are. <laughs> um, was it, uh, you know, how, how did you kind of navigate that as you were trying to, you know, sort of battle for attention from that perspective, not in a bad way, but, you know, just kind of, uh, putting yourself out there.
1: Well, you know, we, we, uh, know our place in those kinds of tours. So we, we just, just go for it, you know, like the, the best we can. And we know that nobody is necessarily there for us. There's probably 10 people there that have actually paid that ridiculous ticket price to see us. Um, and that in itself is flattering. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, uh, it's just what we have to do. So we do it. You know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty simple.
0: <laughs> right, <laughs> right, right. You're like, w- this is what we're going to do. We're going to warm up the crowd and, you know, hopefully we'll capture some of these people to, yep. you know, come and, and hang out with us by our merch.
1: Yup. And some people come and they buy some merch and that's enough for us. And some people like will yell at us and go like, you know, this is fucking boring. And I'm like, all right, then like, shut up. <laughs> right we'll do well, something else <laughs> you know like we don't care sure you know, we're, we'll, not, we're not here for you and and you know that actually just being out there and and being with those bands and being in front of that many people like it's always successful like somebody's bound to walk away and and like it's it's currently it's the best marketing we can possibly do
0: absolutely well, that's and how like, you get I people to pay I'll attention how
1: many opening bands like just blew me away when i was like you know i wanted to go see uh I don't know. For example, I went to go see poison the well one time and, uh, murder by death was the opener. Was oh yeah. Left field band. And, and I just ended up falling in love with them and no one was there to see them, <laughs> you know? So just, you know, I, I have to imagine that there are a number of those cases every night and that's the best way to do it. And, also, it's just good name recognition. You know, we can say that now that we toured with thrice in the Bronx. And that in itself will put us up to better tours in the future.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. And th- to your point, like that curation that you know that how, ha- I mean, you're not able to articulate that at 16 or 17 years old, but you know, that buy in, like, you know, Poison the Well literally selected Murder by Death. They were like, we don't care if you- our audience hates you we want to see you guys every night. So you're coming on the road with us. Yeah, and,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. And, and to your point, that's like the, you know, like clearly you need to be co-signed by thrice to be like, I mean, cause those dudes obviously are, are not going to be taking out, you know, terrible bands. That's not their MO. And oh. so they're like, Hey, here we go. Like, w- yeah, we're down for this. This makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, I, I think it was a weird down for this and not so much. They found us and we're like, fuck yeah, let's take them on tour. But like, I don't care either way and, and thrice I should mention was also, you know, kind of in my top 10 favorite bands like floating around for like a long time. So yep. just to get that look at all was like, you know, as, as fucking life changing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's a really exciting thing to be, um, you know, <laughs> attached to people's music and art you've respected for so long and be like, Oh dude, why, why am I even touring with you? This is weird. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, Marshall, honestly, thank you so much for hanging out, dude. I really appreciate you letting me, uh, you know, take you all these random places. But uh, this yeah, has been fun, course. dude. Thank you. Anytime, man. It's It's been a, a wild journey. <laughs> That was Marshall. Thank you very much, Marshall, for coming on the show. Maybe I can say his name once more. Marshall, Marshall. Kind of sounds like Marsha, Marsha, Marshall from the Ready Bunch. But, anyways, thank you to Marshall. And thank you to Christine over at Epitaph for hooking this up. Um, I always appreciate when publicists are like super on top of it and like get everything over to me that I need. And uh, Christine is, was exactly that. So, thank you, Christine. Next week, this is a really fun one because this was a uh, sort of a random thing. But, anyways, Chris. Evanson, who is the guitarist of Sensefield. I love Sensefield. And uh, he actually is married to a PR person who I work closely with um, on a lot of these interviews that we set up on the podcast. And it was just like a casual mention that, like, you know, her husband played in a band. And I kind of dug a little bit deeper over email. And then she revealed that uh, he plays in Sensefield. And I was like, uh, can I please talk to him? <laughs> because I love Sensefield. So uh, yeah, that's what we got in the pod next week. Chris from Sensefield, very excited to bring that to you. So until then, Please be safe, everybody.